Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 31 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. I'm alongside my dad, Chris Baker, and uh, we're back. We didn't just stop at 30 episodes. A lot of you thought we'd just do 30 and leave. No, no, we're not that terrible. Here's our 31st episode, and this is what we got on the menu for you guys today. We will talk about Kevin Biggio's call-up. We'll talk about the MLB draft. Edwin Jackson and the Blue Jays, fabulous starting rotation. Uh, the team's morale. We'll give you a little farm report, and we'll talk about the last two weeks in Blue Jays baseball. Chris, how are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you, Dylan? I am amazing. And apologies for no episode last week. We were we had a crowded schedule with our own baseball, which we uh, went relatively well last week. Yeah, we so. Say so. We are back. We are ready to bring you another episode of 211 Baseball Talk. So let's get right into things. Gambigio got called up two weeks ago now. It was right after we released episode 30 of the podcast. Unfortunately, we weren't able to cover it last week because there, no, there was no episode. Um, but it's the move that you, I, and Scott McCarthy have been pushing for forever. Uh, it finally happened. It was two weeks ago, but what have your first impressions been so far? Ah, uh, they've been good. I mean, you know, the the funny thing is, people are expecting them to hit three thirty three and and knock thirty homers in the first half of the season is just a little bit ridiculous. But uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it's good to see him up. He's actually, I would say, he's even had a bit of a stronger start offensively than Vlad did. Uh, he's certainly cooled off a little bit lately, but he's uh, got a hit, I believe, even today. So. Um, and an RBI. So, you know what? I think that's the most you can expect from him. I think uh, he's off to a good start. And I think Vladdy's really picked up too. Honda player of the month for the Blue Jays this month and or last month, I should say now. And, and so, you know, the kids are coming and they're certainly not the be all and end all. We can see that the team is not winning with them. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, the, the transition is now in motion. So I think that uh, we're going to see even more positives. And you just got to let them have the reps and let them build up this year. And, and uh, by the end of the season, we'll see where they are. Yeah, and you know what? Obviously, the team is kind of a pile of flaming hot garbage at the moment. But that's okay because it's part of the transition. Like you mentioned, I think Captain Biggio's playing every day. Vladdy Guerrero's playing every day. Soon we're going to have more prospects. up. Jonathan Davis, who just got sent down today in a move that I don't agree with, um, was playing pretty much every day. Like there were a few games that he missed, but he was playing pretty much every day and he played some great defense and he hit a little bit, not enough to stay in the big leagues. And that was the one bad thing about Jonathan Davis. He did not hit very well, but on defense, he was great. Um, But yeah, like I've been impressed with how Kevin Biggio has played so far because he's been great defensively. I believe he made his first start in the outfield yesterday or two days ago being Tuesday at the release of this episode. Um, what were your first impressions of him in the outfield? Uh, you know what? Did not get to see him in the outfield game, so I have no first impressions of it. But I do understand that he has the ability to be out there. And uh, I think the versatility has been really positive to have from Kevin Bijou throughout the minor leagues. And now uh, we're seeing it in the in the majors. And I think that we'll probably see a little more of him out there with how thin the depth is in the outfield. I know Tay Oscar's back, but... Um, but I would imagine we'll still see more of Kevin out there. Yeah, we probably will, and we'll get into actually a little bit of outfield depth later on in the episode when we give you the farm report. But you know what? I, I managed to see him a little bit in the outfield in that first game, and he looked comfortable out there. He did. He seemed like he knew what he was doing. He wasn't panicking in his first big league outfield start. He see, played it off like it was just a normal game, and 
That was his, his natural position, even though it's not, and he's normally an infielder. It was really good to see how comfortable he was and how good he was in the outfield. Plus, the bat's been pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. Yeah, so moving on to the MLB draft, where the Blue Jays got Kevin Biggio. Uh, it started on Tuesday night, and I've got to say, I'm pretty happy with the Jays' picks. So drafting at 11, the Blue Jays took six foot six, 260-pound right-hander Alec Manoa who could be big league ready by 2021. I personally love the pick. You and I were talking about how, uh, how mad it would have been if the Jays had taken an infielder uh, in the first round, but they took two pitches on day one, also drafting Kendall Williams at 52. Uh, and they took the top-rated Canadian Desan Brown in the third round of the draft. So do you feel the Blue Jays did enough to take care of their farm vacancies in the draft? Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean that, uh, that they even could have. I mean, there's a lot of farm vacancies, especially when it comes to pitching depth, which I know we've t- chatted about in past episodes. But I'm very, very happy with, uh, with these draft picks because, I mean, the pitchers that they did take, I think, fill a huge void. Uh, I'm not sure it's full but it is a void that is closing slightly now that this draft has happened. And, you know, obviously they're likely to pick high again next year with the results so far this season, (laughs) not looking too good. So, um, you know, there'll be opportunity next year, next year's draft to fill that, that pipeline of pitchers even further. I think also with the trade deadline coming up, there's going to be opportunity to trade some value for some pitching depth. Uh, although, you know, the bats are not hitting and they, and no. they are not seeing a lot of value from guys like Smoke and, and others. So, um, you know, I mean, he, he'll have some value, but he's not going to bring back elite pitching, that's for sure. So, you know, I mean, it's really the draft that's going to make this happen at this point because there's just not any trade chips out there. Um, and so far, so good. I like Manoa. I mean, the guy's huge. Uh, and uh, I like the, the passion that he pitches with. Certainly, if Stroman is around in a couple of years, the two of them pitching with their crazy passion would be interesting. Uh, but I think he's more, more likely to come up alongside a, a Nate Pearson. And, uh, and there, there's opportunity. There's, there, you know, there's going to be opportunity for them to acquire and sign pitching down the road when the team is more ready to compete as well. So I'm not terrified for their pitching depth, but this definitely helps to fill the void a little bit. And, uh, and more and more work is needed, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, the pitching is not great in the farm right now. We don't have much depth as we've seen this season many times. But uh, Manoa is a good Understatement pitcher. of the century. <laughs> um, and you're talking about Marcus Stroman maybe being here down the road with Alec Manoa and both of them pitching with passion. I think the only guy right now on this team that's going to get you good minor league pitching, good prospects, is Marcus Stroman. Because while he has struggled lately, he still has a 240 ADRA. So even his struggles have not been ridiculously terrible. So Marcus Stroman is probably the most valuable piece on this roster. And uh, like you said, there are other guys that could get you some prospects, but they're not going to be good top-of-the-line prospects right now from any of the guys on this team. But uh, there is still a lot of work to be done because the outfield depth is not looking good. The pitching depth is not looking good, but you know, we have 75 infielders. So <laughs> if the team is just infielders, we'd of be course, fine. excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, that, that, I, like I said to you in my uh, text to you during draft night, you know, if they take an infielder in the uh, first round, I'm going to snap. Uh, that was, that would have happened because I just, I could not fathom 
why they would take another infielder. And yet I, I did see in some of the later rounds, it was infield heavy again. There were maybe three or four shortstops and second baseman they took. And I'm thinking, guys, just take pitchers right now. Like, I don't know what this is all about. I don't know what this theory is that they need to bog the minor leagues down with multiple infielders at each level at each position. But it's just, to me, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever um, and the pitching depth, as you said, is just not there. And now the outfield depth is a problem. And, you know, why are we focusing so heavily on shortstops and second basemen? I don't know. I, I mean, some people will tell you that you can convert those those positions very easily to the outfield, which obviously they've started to try to do with people like Biggio. But, um, you know, I, I just don't see the logic behind a billion infielders being drafted. Yeah, and obviously, eventually, you're going to be able to trade some of these infield prospects to get pitching, but you could also get that pitching in a draft, which is, I know, such a crazy, ludicrous idea. <laughs> exactly. It's something that I shouldn't be talking about on a podcast because it's so crazy and scary. But you don't have to draft infielders constantly, and I don't fully know if the front office understands that because – we just see so many infielders come into the system. And, you know, it was good to see that Desan Brown got drafted. He's Canadian, and he's an outfielder, not an infielder. It'd be interesting to see how he does in the minors. But stop taking infielders. There is no need for more infielders in the system. It's already clogged up. you got Kevin Smith, who's going to come up in a few years. Bo Bichette, who's going to be up in September, if not next year. And... You've got Santiago Espinal, who's not too far away. You've got too many good infielders here, and it's going to be a waste of talent because then you're going to have to give that talent away to other teams, and you you don't know what you're going to get back because right now they're still in the minor leagues. There's no value to them, right? Like there's no there's not a lot of value attached to them. Maybe to a Vladdy, there would have been had they traded him, but obviously you weren't going to do that. So you're not going to get great great players for trading a prospect. Like a, like a Kevin Smith at the moment because you don't know how this guy's going to do in the big leagues or even in AAA. He's still in double A and you struggle a little bit to start the year there. So you can draft pitching or you can use your international, international bonus money to sign pitching because right now this team just has too many infielders. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So maybe in the next draft they can go heavy on outfielders or pitchers. That would be an idea. So let's move on to pitchers. The Blue Jays starting rotation, and uh, I'm afraid that this podcast is going to get a little negative here. Dumpster fire. Rotation. Sorry? Dumpster fire. Yeah. The starting rotation has not been good. The combined ERA of this flaming hot pile of crap is 558, oh, highlighted by, Ed- by Edwin Jackson and his <sighs> ace-like 13.22 ERA. Shockingly, Jacob Wagaspack has not replaced him in the rotation yet. So what do you do with Jackson? What do you do with Wagaspack? And who is next to enter the chamber of torture that is the Rogers Center Mound? Well, I don't know what this penchant uh, for torture is that this front office has, but this is just ridiculous. I mean, they stick with guys way too long, and they do this with everyone. I mean, you know, you look at, uh, at Socrates Burrito and how obscenely long he was with the Blue Jays before he was cut ties with. You, and you're seeing the same thing with Edwin Jackson. Look, guys, I get it. You don't have pitching depth, and that's your own damn fault. 
But I'll tell you one thing. Edwin Jackson is not the answer. He is a mess out there. And there is no reason to put this guy back on the mound. As you say, Wagespack is there. Wagespack, however you say it. Uh, he is there waiting in the wings to take that spot. Even if he isn't good, he's probably still better than Edwin Jackson. And that is despicable that Edwin is out there. I think he's getting another start too, which doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And why this guy is being thrown out of the mound all the time is ridiculous to me. It's insane. Edwin Jackson is a terrible starting pitcher. He is. He might have been good in his prime, but he is not anymore. And like you mentioned with Socrates Brito, there were, I think it was three weeks that he was up here batting 089. And Jonathan Davis got sent down after seven, eight days. So why does this front office hold on to awful players for such a long time. I don't quite understand it. Maybe had they drafted more pitching, they would have had better depth. But Jacob Wagespak was out there against Tampa Bay, and he struck out seven in, what, three innings? Three and two-thirds innings? Mm-hmm. Wagespak was really, really good against Tampa Bay. And you know what? He, Like you said, he might not be your next ace, but he will be a hell of a lot better than Edwin Jackson. And half of the guys in this, Clayton Richard can't go more than four and two thirds innings. So what do you do with him? How do you get rid of him? Yeah, well, I don't know what you do with him, and 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 that's the thing. The the, the depth is disgusting, uh, and 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 unfortunately, it's really looking more and more like some of the garbage clowns on Twitter may have been correct. I mean, th- this is a terrible job by a terrible front office at this point. I mean, how do you how do you change what's happening here i i or how do you explain or, or even justify what's happening here this team is a train wreck beyond all train wrecks and you know we all i i tried to give them the benefit benefit of the doubt and say that they weren't going to lose 100 games now i'm not so sure of that i mean they're on pace to win something like 52 games it's ridiculous and and you know this team is terrible and there is just nothing that that seems like it can be done here because or will is willing to be done here by this front office there are opportunities out there it's you don't need to go and get a, a keichel or a kimbrel uh which by the way breaking news it looks like the cubs did in fact sign kimbrel uh but this is is just one train wreck of a team that they just don't seem to be putting any effort into yeah listen i don't know if they're not putting any effort into them because they are drafting a lot of infielders and your <laughs> yeah. infield is set for the next 25 years. But I just, I don't know what they were thinking. Like you took, you take a look at how they built Cleveland. They had Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Jason Kipnis. If you count him, he was, he was a lot older, but if you count Jason Kipnis, you had him. They built a good infield core, but they also had some of the best pitching in the American league they drafted Corey Kluber. They got Carlos Carrasco. They got Danny Salazar. I know he's not great anymore, but he was. And these guys, Trevor Bauer. Trevor, I, how did I forget about Trevor Bauer? He's a great starting pitcher. While drones seem to be an issue, he has been a great starting pitcher. <laughs> drones. Yeah, and see, you know, I mean, you can, even, you can even go as far back as CC Sebastian, right? And I mean, that's the, that's the craziest thing. And didn't, um, oh, his name escapes me now. Uh, I'll come back to it, but they're, they've had a great history in Cleveland 
of drafting and developing pitching. And now all of a sudden it's an infield obsession. And I don't quite understand that because they know what they did in Cleveland worked. Why would you not repeat that? So, uh, odd just odd i don't know where they're going with this but listen the reality is there are fans paying to see this team and when there are fans playing they're not many not many but that's and rightfully so i wouldn't be in their in their shoes either i wouldn't like that but i just it's it's crazy to me that you think you can put this kind of garbage on a field and expect to be paid and and that's my point. Like you don't have to contend, but you have to put something out there that's at least slightly competitive to get fans to have their money's worth when they come out and pay for tickets and for concessions and a nine dollar beer, right? So, you know, I, I, to me, well, dugout deals. Well, dugout deals are not, Dylan. Oh, we we did a lot of alliteration on that one. Uh, it is is not good. It's just not enough. It's not enough. This team is terrible, and there isn't enough out there right now to make me want to buy a ticket if I'm a fan, right? So, you know, it's great. We get to see Vladdy out there. That's great. They brought him up. Cavins up. When Bichette's healthy, I wouldn't imagine he'll be too long for the minor leagues either. He'll probably be up. We are going to see that transition happening, but there's got to be something done about some of the other positions some of the 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 harder to fill positions like the starting rotation prime example and of course the outfield as well you can draft a bunch of pitchers you could draft 75 pitchers and 15 max workout starting pitching is a thing where you need a lot of depth to get anywhere because not every pitcher is going to pan out some guys dominate in college but have all their stuff figured out as soon as they get to pro ball because there are better hitters here. You need to draft and sign a lot of pitching because not every guy is going to pan out. With infielders, some guys have really good approaches to the plate and they can, they can dominate in the minor leagues. But with pitchers, it's so rare that you draft a pitcher that is lights out like a Justin Verlander, like a Chris Sale, who actually Alec Manoa has been compared to. Um, But you need to draft and sign so much pitching for you to have a good pitching staff because there's so many pitchers that are not going to work out. And I'm not trying to bash those specific pitchers, but it's such a difficult position that you need to draft pitchers in bulk or else you will not have success with them down the road. Yep. I agree. And again, that going back to that picture, I couldn't think of the name. Cliff Lee also started out in Cleveland. So they've got that history of, of pitching, and all of a sudden they're just not using that talent they had. I don't understand it. And, uh, and this whole infield thing is mind-boggling to me. But anyway. Do you think that that's maybe the scouting, scouting department saying infielders, or is that a Shapiro and Atkins obsession? Well, I know it's entirely possible that it's the scouting department, but listen, Shapiro knows what worked for him before, right? I get that Atkins wasn't part of it, and he's trying to give Atkins enough power to to build his own team. But this is where you step in as Shapiro and say, look, Ross, this is what worked for us before. We know this works. There's a bunch of stuff that's behind this from stats to just proof in the pudding that we've, we've drafted and selected and, and developed great pitching in the past. We can still do that by following my strategies. I get it. You don't want to step on Ross's toes, but at the same time, it's time to step on his toes because 
There is no depth on this team. Not any ounce of pitching depth. No, there, there is not. And yes, it's time that Mark Shapiro steps in and says, you know what? I gave you this team to build it up from a team that is that was old and had two years of playoff contention. And you you haven't officially failed, but to stop you from failure, I'm going to step in and help you out a little bit more because that's what Mark Shapiro needs to do because this team sucks and they have no depth, no pitchers coming up besides Nate Pearson, besides maybe Eric Pardino when he throws a pitch, besides maybe the guys we'll talk about a little bit later. They have no one coming up. No one is big league ready. No one is even a year away. Maybe Nate Pearson comes up middle of next year at best, but most likely he gets, he comes up in 2021 because of that injury he had last year. This team has no one at all anywhere right now besides the infield. Moving on, the Blue Jays went out on the road and lost six straight. That is not fun for anyone. So talk a little bit about what that can do to a team's morale. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty evident what it can do to a team's morale. It can destroy it. I, I mean, the, the thing is, a six-game losing streak wouldn't normally destroy a morale necessarily. It, all teams go through these spurts. But I think with the overall picture of the season so far, uh, adding a six-game losing streak to an already terrible start is probably not helping. I mean, you had Stroman's comments to the media earlier this week uh, and talking about how it's not a fun atmosphere and he's a winner and he, he hates to lose and blah, blah, blah. Well, we get that. Like, we get that, Strome. Like, uh, but the, the reality is, you know, that's, that's where this team is. And is that you demanding a trade? Is that you uh, just speaking your mind as you usually do? I don't know. It wasn't quite a great leadership moment for Stroman to make those comments, but it's understandable given the history recently of, of how this team has done. They were atrocious on the road. Like it's not, it's not like they played some good baseball. Maybe there was one game in Tampa Bay, I think went to extra innings. Maybe they played well there. There was not one game on the road where I was like, you know what? They were in that the whole game and they fell short at the end. No, they were terrible. They were brutal. That entire road trip. And then we saw it, like you mentioned, with Marcus Stroman saying he's a winner, blah, 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 blah. I hate this. This is, this is not fun. Well, Marcus, that's just how the team is. And if you're not happy with it, demand a trade. And I would not blame you one bit. And when he does ask for a trade, which I believe will happen this year, I'm saying it right now. You have me on record saying it. I will not bash him for it. Because this team is not good. And if Marcus Stroman is as competitive as he says he is, then he's going to want out. Was it the best move to say that uh, publicly? Maybe not. Maybe he could have shown that he was frustrated in a different way than saying it's not fun there and the team sucks, basically. So there were other ways to approach that that were more leader-like. But you know what? Once Marcus demands out, I will not blame him at all. No, I agree. Because this team is just brutal right now. And if it stays this way for the whole season, Marcus, for your sake, get out. We'll get some good prospects for you. Moving on to prospects, 
the farm report, you tend to miss a lot in two weeks. Uh, New Hampshire's pitching staff seems to have finally adjusted to double A. Patrick Murphy, Yenzi Diaz, and Hector Perez have been pretty good of late. Um, so is the future of Blue Jays pitching in double A? Well, most likely. It's certainly not in Buffalo. That's true. So, you know, I mean, you've got Nate Pearson there too. I mean, I know he's not pitching more than five innings, two innings, five innings, two innings, five innings, two innings, which to me, I still, anyway, I'm just not even going to comment on that. Okay. Well, uh, first, before you continue, let me explain their strategy with the five innings. I know I, their strategy. We've I, explained I know, it on this before. Don't, for the people that don't know the strategy, I don't like it, but here's their strategy. They want, if they continue with the five and two, it should get Nate to around 100 innings this year. They'll get him to that 100, and then next year, they will attempt to get him to 140. Then they can let him loose. That's also what they did with Marcus Stroman when he was coming up through the minor leagues. They went to 100 innings, then they went to 140 in his first big league season. So they're approaching Nate Pearson pretty much the same way that the Anthopolis front office approached Marcus Stroman. But anyway, continue with your uh, bashing of everything. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not trying to bash everything. I just, uh, it's just that's the way it is. That's way. That's the way that this team is right now. And 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 its farm system with pitching is still just not full of pitching. And and Nate Pearson, you know, I mean, I, I think he's going to be great. But how do you if you don't start stretching him out? And I get the theory, but if you don't start stretching him out, when's he going to be ready for this team? I mean, when are we waiting to do this for? And, uh, and and that's that's my question. But I think you're right. I think you know the the pitchers that have have entered the rotation in New Hampshire are starting to get used to it. And I think that you know some of the future of the Toronto Blue Jays pitching is in New Hampshire right now. It's certainly not in Buffalo, and maybe part of it is in Dunedin. But um, you know, it's 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 a long way off. Yeah, um, it's definitely not in Buffalo. You take a look, you got Sean Reed Foley down there. That's enough to tell me that the future's not in Buffalo because they've got guys that are at least a year away in double A, like a Hector Perez, like a Yenzi Diaz, like a Nate Pearson, who are not coming up till maybe mid to late next year. The future's not in Buffalo, and we're going to have to wait a little bit for pitching depth to come. I don't even know if you consider what we have in double A depth, though, because you've got three, four pitchers that are maybe good, maybe could be good, but we haven't seen them pitch in AAA and we haven't seen them pitch in the big league. So we have no idea how these guys are going to fare on a big league mound or even on a AAA mound. Nate Pearson has struggled a little bit lately in his double A outings. I mean, he, he was dominant in single A and came up to double A was dominant to start, had a few rough outings was good. I believe he pitched today or yesterday uh, being Wednesday or Tuesday and he went two innings, pitched really well, only allowed one hit. So he had a good outing. But if they want him to get to 140, that's not going to happen until next season. So he's still a ways away. I don't know what this team is going to do when it comes down. I don't know if they're planning on signing free agent pitchers because that's the only way I see these guys getting pitching depth until they start drafting pitchers and have more Alec Manoa's and more, uh, what's his name, Kendall Williams that they draft because they're going to need more pitching if they want to have any chance at survival in the playoffs in a few years and any shot at winning 
in the few in a few years. Moving on to an outfielder, Forrest Wall is absolutely killing Double A. He's batting five twelve in his last ten games and hitting three twelve this season, with a sixty six stolen base percentage. And he was just named the Eastern League's Player of the Week. So when does he get the call to Triple A? I think it's coming. I think it's coming in probably in the next week or two. I, I can't see them leaving him down there for much longer. I mean, he's their only he's, good outfield prospect. Well, and, well, and he's tearing up the the Double A circuit, and he's going to end up probably doing the same to the Triple A side of things. So we may even see him in the bigs before the end of the year. Uh, but right now, he needs to uh, he needs to be in Triple A for sure. It, does it does it frustrate you at all? I know it does, but. I'm just going to ask anyway to see how much it frustrates you. Does it frustrate you at all to see that, that this front office takes such a long time in developing players? I understand they're trying to get the maximum potential out of these guys, but Forrest Wall has been killing double-A all season, and Forrest Wall, a guy who didn't get much talk last year, it has been talked about so often by Scott MacArthur when he's made appearances on Blue Jays Central, by Mike Wilner when he's made talk show appearances, and even in Blue Jays games. This guy is finally getting attention, but the front office is still leaving him in double-A. What is there left to see? The guy hit 512 in his last 10 games. He's batting 312 this season. He's, he's got three home runs for a guy who's a speedy outfielder. That's pretty good. He's got 18 RBI. He hits the top, he hits the top of your order. And there have been very few games where he's not recorded a hit this season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he needs to be in triple-A at the very least. And maybe, you know, another front office probably doesn't even do that. They probably skip it. I mean, another front office, and I'm going to go to Alex Anthopoulos in Atlanta right now, you'd probably see him jump right to the bigs with results like that. And with the low outfield depth we have at the major league level, uh, you know, an Anthopoulos probably brings him straight to the major leagues. And this front office will never do that. No, and that that frustrates me a little a little bit because you know, you I understand you're trying to get the max out of every guy, but I think that making the jump from Double A to the big leagues is not terrible. If you're bringing them up from Dunedin to Toronto, then we got a problem. But Double A to the big leagues not that big of a deal. But I don't necessarily have a problem with having them go go through Triple A either. I hope we do see Forrest Wall this season. I hope he continues his tear in Triple A. Because he's been really good, and he's our only hope in the outfield right now. And and, uh, if we talk about prospects, he's our only hope in the outfield. Because right now in the big leagues, they have two outfielders. Two two born outfielders. Two primary outfielders in Randall Gritchick and Teoscar Hernandez. Kevin Biggio is primarily an infielder. Brandon Drury, who plays out there, primarily an infielder. I think we even saw Eric Sogard play out there for a game. He's primarily an infielder. They have two, two outfielders on that big league roster. So Forrest Wall is really our only near big league ready hope uh, for this team. Moving on to the last two weeks in Blue Jays baseball, there isn't much to talk about. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to talk about anything that went down the last two weeks. Uh, the Jays went 0-6 on their road trip, so they sucked. Randall Gritchick hit his 100th career home run in Colorado. Congratulations to him. Randall has also homered in two straight games to start this homestand against the Yankees. Oh, oh, sorry. We're I thought this live right now. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Three run home run. Jays just took the lead in their Wednesday night game. Apologies for getting so excited. I know you're not going <laughs> to get this live, 
But well, this is against the Yankees. I mean, let's do something exciting, right? And uh, it's beat the Yankees last night, and now Vlad Jr. hits a three-run homer in the bottom of the eighth. The Blue Jays now up 9-7 over the Yankees. Uh, let's see Kenny Giles come in and close this one off and maybe win two in a row against yeah. the Yanks. That's a good positive. I mean, maybe just leave it at that and don't go back to the last two weeks in baseball. What a great way to finish the podcast with that Vlad Guerrero Jr. dinger. Yeah, and I mean, last night we saw it too. The Jays were down. They came back, led by Grichik, Guerrero, and Galvis. Tonight it's been Grichik and Guerrero that have provided most of the offense. We saw Kevin Biggio contribute. That's a good way to end the to end the podcast. So thank you all very much for tuning in. This has been episode 31 of We Total the North. Energy. Sorry? We the North. Indeed. Go Raptors, Go Raptors in the NBA Finals. This has been episode 31 of 211's Baseball Talk. Unstoppable, the score, locking you out. Thank you all very much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.